Good morning, congregation of First Baptist Church. It's Memorial Weekend, and today is a day that we think of those who have made a great commitment to us. So many have died in war to preserve our freedom and to keep our land free. And we live in the light and pleasure of that fact. And we honor those today, first of all, uh, with a word of prayer today. Thanking and thanks to God for those who have given the commitment. And we pray also for those who are in the uniform today, serving in lands across this world in dangerous situations, who are committed to serve. And we're talking about commitment today. So for their sacrifice, let's honor them today by praying for them and giving God thanks for those who have served our country and land to keep our nation free. Let's pray together. Lord, we come to you and we do give thanks for the many who have shed their blood for our land so that we can be free to preach the gospel, to worship as we please, to speak in freedom. And to live in freedom. Lord, preserve our country. Return us back to, to you. And Lord, we do pray for the many soldiers across this world. Serving in far-flung lands and territories. Protect them. Watch over them. And return them safely to their homeland. And we pray and we thank you in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen. Well, today we're talking about commitment. The world, even the world today doesn't like commitment. Uh, some people don't like the commitment of marriage. Some people don't like the commitment of their work. And my question to us today as Christians, how committed are we to the Lord Jesus? We are talking today about soldiers who were committed, who give their life. As we say, some gave all. They are the some that gave all. Jesus gave all for us. He laid down his life that we might have life. So he certainly gave his all for us. In return, since Jesus has given us spiritual freedom, since Jesus has set us free from death and the enemy, what do we commit to him? Turn with me uh, for a moment, if you will, Luke 14 in your Bible and verse 27. And it says, whosoever, Jesus is speaking, whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And he talks a lot in the remaining scripture about counting the cost of discipleship. Well, we certainly want to be a disciple of Jesus. That means a follower. Now, that doesn't mean someone who comes occasionally on Sunday. It means someone who in their life follows Jesus through prayer, through the word, through living out your life. Are you a witness for Jesus? Well, that's the question, isn't it? That's the question. 
And as I said, the world does not even like the world commitment. We have, and we in our society, we try to take care of the uncommitted and we penalize the committed oftentimes. We disdain them, uh, sadly. Sadly. We, we talk ill of our police uh, and authorities, and yet they are authorities. We should pray for them, lift them up, and we reward the criminal element or those who are uncommitted. But most of us have a level of commitment. Reasonable service, if I dare say so, is not unreasonable today. Reasonable service of a Christian, a Christian just living for Christ in this day, is considered tremendous. Yet at one time, it was just reasonable. It's not excessive, but medium. Unfortunately for us, God does not care for that. I want you to understand, God does not care for a lukewarm Christian and lukewarm faith. Just kind of, well, I'll get by. I'll attend church once in a while. I'll put a little bit in the offering plate. It may not be tithe. I'll show up once in a while. That's not what God expects. That's a lukewarm Christian. And in Revelation, it says that it makes God sick, that he will spew you, vomit you, regurgitate, aspirate, however you want to say it, you out of his mouth. I remember a real country preacher, I was Scott Huffman, he's kind of country, was... And he said, looked at me, and he says, how do you say vomit? I said, say aspirate. Uh, but God, it makes God sick when he sees Christians who are not living for him. Well, let's look at what our reasonable service is. It's over in Romans chapter 12. Let's look in Romans chapter 12. And it says this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I'd like to talk a lot about that. A lot of people running around saying, well, I'm not doing anything. I'm waiting on God to uh, tell me. What his will for me is. Well, let me tell you something. If you're not doing the reasonable service, you're not presenting yourself for service right now and doing something, he's not going to direct you to his perfect will. You don't become like a spiritual monk somewhere on the top of a mountain in the, in the Himalayas to find the will of God. You get busy for God and into his word and prayer and working for him, and God will direct you as you move. A lot of people don't understand that about the will of God. God directs you as you're moving, not as you're sitting still. Uh, it's just the way of God. Uh, Elijah, when God found him, was at the end of a plow, working hard, sweating. And God said, okay, Elijah, you're moving. I'm going to move you in a little different direction. Elisha, excuse me. Elisha. So God has a way of moving, of directing the perfect will people are people who are already moving. So just remember that. 
God finds somebody to work, he's usually going to find somebody working. That's reasonable, isn't it? Okay, we're talking about reasonable service here. But present yourself. And the word present here is like presenting yourself at attention, presenting oneself to his superior officer for duty. And again, we're talking about soldiers a lot today. They honor country, country honor duty. That's what they say at West Point, don't they? Country, honor, duty. As uh, George Patton said, these are the three bywords that, uh, you know, made him, made, uh, made it all possible. Makes it all possible. So, we're presenting ourselves and we're coming to God and we're saying, God, I'm here for service. For what is expected. Not rare, but expected. And God says, then God, as you're doing that, as you're working that reasonable service, listen to me now, he will transform your life as a disciplined Christian and you will find what is that good and perfect will of God, acceptable and perfect will of God. There you go. Explained. The mystery. People looking for the will of God. People say, well, I'm trying to find my gifts. I'm going into a closet and praying. Well, get busy for God and you'll find out what your gifts are. Best way I know. Then we go to Hebrews. And I want you to look there with me this morning. And talking about this commitment issue. There is a need for service. We saw that. So how do we serve? How do we begin to serve? How do we serve better? Uh, Hebrews 12, 1. Wherefore, seeing we're compassed or compassed or compassed about, two ways to say that, neither is correct, with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, let us run with, with patience the race that is set before us. Well, what, what is weight? And what is, well, we know what sin is. But weights are things that keep us from serving the Lord. Uh, if we have to play bridge three times a week and we can't get to prayer meeting or to pray and read our Bible, then maybe we need to give up bridge. And I have no idea what bridge is. It's a card game people play. But now, my, now my family, we're rook people. We love to play rook. And we have rook marathons ever so often. So we love to play rook. And you don't ever want to play me in Rook. I'm a vicious Rook player. So they, or so they say. Anyway, lay aside the weights. Things that interfere with you and serving God. If you've got a lake house and you've got to be there every weekend and miss church, get rid of the lake house. Pure and simple. If you've got a bass boat and you have to be at a bass tournament every weekend and miss church, get rid of the bass boat. I'm going to tell you that. And I know I'm probably stepping on some toes. But if you are really committed to Jesus Christ and you're counting the cost like we talked about in, in Luke 14, then folks, you're, gonna, you're not going to put things before God. Do not put things before God. And that's what it's saying here. Now, those things could even become, a weight can become a sin. But lay aside the sin also. We have to work Against the sin in our life. Try to corral it. Try to control it. Try to confess it immediately. Try to forsake it. To use the power of God to overcome it. To fight sin in our life. Patiently serve. 
And here also the key thing, focus on Jesus. Focus on the one you're serving. And his suffering, lest you quit and give up. It says that. Looking into Jesus, verse 2, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, looking in eternity, looking where he was going to be, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, and that's what we have to do. We have to look at our present circumstances, what we're going through, and say, we're just going to endure this because glory is ahead. He endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down on the right hand of God the Father. Consider him that endures this contradiction of sinners, verse 3, against himself, lest you be wearied in your minds, or wearied and faint in your minds. Look, the way you keep going is focus on Jesus. Focus on him. Focus on what he did for you. And by doing that, you understand that the temporary suffering, the temporary uh, things that you may find not comfortable, the, that you're enduring those, for the future glory and the godly results that will happen in your life, the life of your church, the life of your kids and others. And that's what it's all about. Focus on Him. And if you focus on Jesus, folks, you will not quit. You won't quit. Pastor, have you ever thought about quitting? Hundreds of times. Yet I haven't quit. Because every time I wrote a resignation letter, I would think about Jesus going up the hill to Golgotha. He never quit. He fell beneath the weight of that cross, but he still made it up the hill. And he still died for our sins. Jesus never quit on us. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later. I'm going to end up with that. Jesus never gave up on us. Don't you give up on Jesus. Amen? And then we have to prepare. Commitment means preparation. If you're going to be a soldier for Christ, you've got to prepare. You've got to get the armor of God, Ephesians chapter 6. You have to do that through study in the Word. You have to do that through prayer. You have to do that through preparation. You prepare yourself with the armor of God and the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, We all scripture is given by inspiration of God, profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped unto all good works. And folks, you're not going to be a soldier for Christ and a committed Christian without the Word of God. You just can't. You can't be. When Jesus was confronted with the devil and temptation, what did he do? He used the Word of God. When you're confronted with temptation, if you don't have the Word of God, what's going to happen to you? Satan's going to mow you over like a, a street paver, one of those big roller things. You know, you see on TV. I don't know what they're called. What are they called? Anyway, he's going to run over you like one of those running over a balloon. And you have to prepare yourself for the spiritual battle we're in. That's what committed Christians do. We're preparing ourselves for battle and service. For service and battle. Warring. Go back to uh, uh, Luke 14. What is it talking about? Building and battling. You know, that's what it's talking about. Service and war. And, and it says that's the two illustrations used there. 
Now, what else are we motivated by? This commitment. What motivates? Well, I mentioned Jesus. How about the love of God? Let's look in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. And this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His only Son into the world that through Him we might live through Him. And then verse 19, we love Him because He first loved us. The love of God. And we are loved for Him. Now, I want to take that a step further because if John brings us out, and I don't want to do a whole expose of 1 John, but John mentions the love of God. Then he goes on to say, and the love of God is borne out in how we love the brethren. Well, the love of God is borne out not only in how we love Him and how we love the brethren, but how we love the lost, how we love people in general. So what I'm saying is, in, in a committed Christian, you're going to have a great love for people. You're going to have a great love for the brethren, and you're going to have a love for those lost people who oppose themselves, as the Bible says, and cannot help themselves. Certainly we do. And... So one of the great things that keeps us committed is the love of God and points us to commitment and shows us we are committed to God. Now I'd like you to look in John at this thing of of commitment and discipleship. John 6 and verse 65. And he said, therefore, said I unto you, that no man could come unto me except it were given unto him of the Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will you also go away? Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we believe you are sure and are sure that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. There is a great, great lesson here. And I think it's a very sad statement that many of the disciples walked no more with Jesus. Jesus, you're just too hard. Your your words are too harsh. It's too big a commitment, Lord. And man, don't kid yourself. In this generation of Christians, the biggest problem, one of the biggest problems we have, one is, I mentioned last Sunday, forgiveness to a a Sunday school group. Forgiveness is one, but I can catalog with you about five of the worst problems of the church. One is forgiveness, one is gossip. The third would be commitment. So one of the Biggest problems that we have in the church today is commitment. That people who just quit the church, give up on the church, give up on service, give up on God, say we can't walk with you anymore. It's just too hard. And again, I go back, was it too hard for Jesus on the cross? Was it? No. It wasn't too hard. Jesus made it. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners, lest he be wearied and faint in your mind. 
goes on and says this, will you also go away? Well, friend, I want to tell you something. If you're committed to a sports team, then you ought to be committed to Jesus. If you're committed to the local YMCA, you ought to be committed to Jesus. If you're committed to the Parent Teacher Association, the PTA, you ought to be committed to Jesus. If you're committed to the country club where you play golf, you ought to be committed to Jesus. What am I saying? I'm not saying quit any of those things. I'm just saying Jesus is committed to us. Why can't we be committed to him? Amen? There is no place for us to go as Christians but to Jesus. And that's exactly what Peter said. Lord, we can't go away. We have no place to go. And I'm here to tell you that in the Christian faith, we don't have any place to go but Jesus. We, we surely need to have a commitment to Him. And by the way, the commitment is Him. We have tithe commitments, and I do that every year, and we did it here. And, and I always put on there, look, I don't want your name, who you are. I don't care who you are. Your commitment wasn't made to the church. The commitment was made to God, not the church. You're just telling the church what your commitment is. It's between you and God, really. And we're just kind of getting an idea of what, you, what God is leading you in your commitment to do. And, and I always put that on there. I don't want, I don't, want, don't sign your name. I don't want to know. Your commitment's between you and Him. Folks, is there a price to serve? Yes, and that's what Peter was talking about. He said, but I love that. Lord, we we got no place to go. I wish every Christian looked at it that way. Lord, I don't have any place to go but you. I don't have anybody to be committed to but you, Jesus. Because we don't. Luke 9, 23. We're closing up here. If any man will come, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. By the way, you can't come down the aisle today. There ain't nobody here to come down the aisle. You can't come down the aisle today and make a commitment and say, that's it. Ah, no. Let me tell you where commitment begins. The moment your feet hit the floor. The moment you wake those eyes up in the bed and you're laying there thinking. And mine, when I lay down at night and I, I pray every night when I lay down, my last thoughts are of Jesus Christ. And I start praying for my children, my grandchildren, for their spiritual well-being and for the church, for some of you people. There is a price to service. I won't kid you. It, yeah, there's a price to pay. It takes your time. It takes your efforts. It takes your abilities. And we're to take, look, daily, 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 daily. How often can I say that? It takes you getting up every day, reading your Bible, praying, serving God on a daily basis, not just starting on Sunday. Oh, i got to start serving God. It's Sunday morning. Or i got to start serving God. It's deacon's being, uh-uh. It's daily. How much do you pray? How much do you read your Bible? How much do you serve Him? How much do you attend? Are you faithful? Giving, otherwise. These, there are many who want commitment. Who do not want commitment. Excuse me, let me say this. Who do not want commitment, but they want commitment in return. <laughs> it's not what they can do for the, for the Lord. It's what 
the church can do for them. Well, you know what? That's not what I see in my Bible. He asked us to take up a cross. That doesn't sound pleasant, taking up a cross, does it? And so Jesus wanted to say there'll be some unpleasantry in service. It's not a rose. It is a rose garden. There are flowers. There are beautiful flowers. But there's also stickers. So it's like a rose garden. It is a rose garden. But there's going to be the cross to bear. And there is a commitment. Commitment costs something. But friends, the results are tremendous. Now I want to end by saying this. Jesus is committed to us. I've got a scripture here, Matthew eight twenty four through 27. And there rose great tempest in the sea. The ship was covered with waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said, Why are you so fearful? Oh, you have little faith. He rose, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. Jesus is committed to us. He was committed to them. He said, don't worry when there's storms. We got a, we're in a storm right now, folks. Our country's in a storm. That's right. Jesus is committed to us. Jesus is up in heaven making intercession for us. He cares for us. It says in 1 Peter 5, 7, He's protecting us. He hears our prayers and answers them. He's our Savior in the world. And from the world, 2 Timothy 1.10, he's always there. He said, I will not leave you or forsake you. I'm the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Jesus is there. Jesus is fully committed to us. Commit your life to him. Let's close this morning understanding that uh, one of those commitments is accepting Christ, that he loved you and died for you on the cross. And all you have to do is claim him. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe, I'm trusting you as my Lord and Savior today. Save my soul. Pray that prayer. Lord, I'm a sinner. We all are. But I know that you saved sinners. You died for them. I accept you as Lord and Savior, as the one who died for me. Amen. That's all you have to do. And God will transfer his righteousness to you, your sins to him. You'll get up tomorrow. You may sin, but your sins are forgiven past, present, future. It's not a license to sin, it's a license now to serve once you're saved. So let's, uh, Lord, we thank you for this blessed time. In Jesus' name, amen.